Every knowledgeable person knows that when you have gold, you've protected your wealth. But what if the government one day wanted to confiscate your gold so they can gain total control, knowing that one day the smoke will clear and gold will be perfectly available, and that's happened all throughout history. So what you need to do is, in the interim, hide your gold. You can do that by burying it. You can go down about 12 inches, and that's all you're going to need to do. And we have a product that we call BarryYourGold.com, and what it does is it goes into a container. You lower it in the ground with a hole you've dug up to 12 inches. It's a 50-year warranty on the device. It only weighs 17 pounds to pull it out of the ground, and you can keep it for safekeeping. And I'll tell you, this is the way to hide your gold, not in false walls, but underground will be very, very difficult to detect. To find out more, go to BarryYourGold.com. The product is fully guaranteed with a money-back guarantee. Hello, America. Thank you for joining us. Uh, We're going to be going to our featured guest, Chris Kitsy, in just a minute. Coming to you live from the studios of Noble Gold. And we're really, really proud to be with you. Uh, please share these videos far and wide. I want to give a little disclaimer here. First of all, uh, we're recording this after the fact. And our interview ran over because we could not get everything in. So we will play for you the first approximately 51 minutes. And then the last 16 minutes, you'll have to go over to the TV and hear the rest. And I think you'll find this interview to be shocking as it covers Northern California fires. And after we interview Chris Kitsy, a, co- a frequent guest on our show, uh, Chris leaves no doubt as to the fact that these fires were contrived and they were planned. I'm going to say that boldly. I- I've said this before. Paul Preston and I have discussed this at some length. But there's no question that this was contrived. Uh, why? Well, we'll get into all that with Chris. Hey, we're brought to you by Noble Gold. And let me just say this very, very clearly. Noble Gold can save your nest egg because right now under the Dodd-Frank law of 2010, they can take your retirement anytime they choose. The only reason they haven't, the only reason the banks haven't done this, the only reason the banks haven't stolen your bank account circa 1929 is simply because of the fact that they want you to keep putting money in the bank. But as the banks begin to fail and 110 have been declared to be in trouble, what do you think they're going to do to cushion their fall? They're going to steal your money. So what I want to do is I want to send you a free information packet. And then when you call the number that's attached to the packet, which is Noble Gold, you're not going to get a call center. You're going to get a solid professional that's eager and willing to help you, but you will have to close your own deal. Oh, they'll give you all the facts and this and that and the other. But at the end of the day, I remember thinking the first time I closed a deal just to buy some gold from them. And they say, okay, Mr. Hodges, any more questions? Okay, is that about wrap it up? Anything else? And I said, well, yeah, I'd like to finish the deal. Oh, okay, we can do that for you. That's typically how every conversation with Noble Gold has gone that I've ever done. Now, I need to give you a disclaimer. The federal government wants me to tell you that with regard to all investments, they are inherently risky and past performance cannot be indicative of future performance. And we agree with giving the warnings. And we're not like FTX, okay, who's getting a walk from the corrupt Justice Department because they donated to Democratic donors. Another topic for another time. Do you want to protect your nest egg? Do you want to be a victim circa 1929 in the 21st century? I think not. So, ladies and gentlemen, let me say this to you very clearly and without hesitation. I'll send this to you, and it's up to you. But CBDC is being rolled out as we speak. Do you really want to wait until it's too late? Because once CBDC is in place and phase one is done, FedNow is done, phase one of five is done, do you really want to wait? I hope not. So go to DaveHodgesGold.com. That's DaveHodgesGold.com. I'll rush that out to you. Okay, let's go right to the interview with my old friend, Chris Kitsy. Be prepared to be shocked. Hello, everybody. Dave Hodges here. I'm the host of the Common Sense Show.tv. Thank you so much for joining us. Joining us is my old friend, Chris Kitsy. He always has some groundbreaking news for us, and he's prepared a presentation on the fires. And 
Interestingly enough, my wife and I uh, were returning from dinner, and we had the Dodge fires. Uh, Probably natural causes, but I'm telling you, here, there, everywhere, uh, if you think all this is an accident, think again. Chris is going to go through all of it, and he's going to reveal what's going on. We are under attack in multiple ways. Chris, welcome to the show. I look forward to digging into this with you. Happy to be here, Dave. Thanks for having me on. You bet. Well, let's go ahead and start. Uh, You know, I got to tell you, I'm friends with Paul Preston, lives in Northern California. And so I got a lot of the up close and personal as I went down there and crazy stuff, defied logic, fire on one side of the road, doesn't cross over. It just, it's crazy. Um, Whose home burned down sometimes. It was a who's who's list of the enemy of the state. I've seen it all, but what do you got for us? Where do you want to start with this topic? Well, you know, here's the thing. I've got to, just to share a little background with your with your viewers here. You know, I have personal experience in this. Having had, uh, we had a small ranch, about 60 acres in Northern California, that was uh, caught up in one of these wildfires. And the situation was that, you know, basically what happened is, we had a lightning storm complex come through. Now, keep in mind, in California, the majority of fires, and we'll get to this here in the presentation, are are man-made. Now, some are accidents. You know, someone, Mrs. O'Leary's cow, kicks over the lantern and starts a forest fire. Others are, you know, people who are firebugs, people who, you know, are pyromaniacs. And then I believe there are other people doing things, and we'll show, you know, documented evidence for this right out of the newspapers here in Northern California. But, you know, what What kind of catches your eye is when you see a pattern, when you see a lot of things starting at once, right? Because normally if it's a fire that's hit by lightning, wherever the lightning hits, that's one place where it could start. But just because lightning hits doesn't mean there's going to be a fire. And, um, you know, the real issue is are people really working hard to manage the forest? which they're not, and we, we're going to talk about that. Governor Newsom and the people in California have cut, they in the past, they cut the a half a billion dollars a year of forest management. Yeah. And the I other thing is when you follow the money, when you look at the amount of astounding amounts of money that are involved here, this is a, um, you know, the problem here is that there's so much money involved and also the Chinese government, the CCP, has a hand in this as well. And you can, this will drive you right down into Agenda 2030. So really what it is, is getting people moved out of the countryside into their coffin house, you know, in the 15-minute cities, that kind of concept. And when we talk about this, and I'll show you the, the actual receipts for how much they're charging the government to do these cleanups, it's the whole thing is just absolutely astounding. So anyway, without any further ado, um, let me pull this up. I'm going to pull up the, um, hold on here. There it is. Okay. So this is a sub stack that I prepared. The first, the first image that you can see here is a, let me get myself out of the way here. There, I think we're like that. The first image that you can see here is this is a weather a weather uh, report from Germany, okay? And you can see in 2017 on the top, and you can see in 2022 in the bottom. Now, if you look at the numbers, they're the, they're the temperature in Celsius. Now, those numbers are, um, so like 25 degrees is, uh, you know, 20 degrees uh, Celsius is 68 degrees. So these are not really hot numbers. And you can see what they're doing is they're turning the background red to make people feel like it's a hot number. Uh-huh. Look at the temperatures have gone up. Yeah. So what's happening here is there's a there's kind of a psyop uh, part of this as well, and this whole operation is being used with what they've done in California, Northern California. They're now doing in other places like Canada and also in Europe. So. That's the main thing that we're taking a look at here is, you know, how are they doing it? What are they doing? Well, they're going to promote Agenda 2030, and they're going to force people off their land, right? So how do you do that? Well, if their house burns down, 
How do you rebuild it? Well, you've got to first clean it up, and then they make sure that, first of all, all of the materials in a fire are deemed hazardous waste. So you cannot just take it to the dump. So what people end up doing is they just end up digging a trench and and burying it. That's what people in the countryside do. But if you need to get rid of things, you're going to have to get a permit and you're going to have to take it to the um, to the hazardous waste dump. And that is very expensive. Now, the hazardous waste dump, I actually took 20 trash bags to the hazardous waste dump. We cleaned up one of our one of our uh, buildings ourselves. And what ended up happening is we had everything down to 20 trash bags. We took those to the um, to the dump. And, um, you know, the dump was literally right next to the regular dump. So it's just a segregated dump. And I'm sure there's, you know, they'll give you rhyme and reason why that all happened. But the bottom line is that there is so much money that comes on this. Um, our logger estimated that a couple of hundred million dollars just on our road was spent in repairs and the cleanup. Now, you know, what I say right here is the woods seem to catch fire every time California needs money. And I wasn't the person who actually said that. A friend of mine said that, and he said the FBI and a number of other government agencies were looking at it because the fires just seemed suspicious, because they seemed to keep getting all of this right around when the state needed money, there would be some fires. Now, the reason for that is, of course, federal government can print money, states can't. So that's that's what ends up happening. Now, the other part of the money, and we're going to show the receipts for this, the billings are three to ten times what it should cost. And that's my estimate based on what I was told for the same work. And you'll see the receipt later with the loggers. that. Okay. I have a question along these lines. Um, The insurance payouts on these homes have to be staggering. Now, I'm going to make a parallel for you. I talk to people, I've talked to life insurance executives, who are livid over the um, the effects of the vaccine and the increased death curve, the money they're having to pay out. One guy said we attribute 600,000 deaths that so far this year to the vaccine. And I said, uh, I asked both executives, I said, why do you do it? And they both had the same answer. Let's see if this comes into play in any way. They said it's because of the ESG ratings. If our company doesn't go fully compliant, go fully woke, follow directions, when the digital currency comes in, the dollar is gone, there'll be complete monopolies, and the powers that be will decide what an essential business is and a non-essential, and they want to survive to be in the essential category and basically almost be a monopoly. So this is why Bud Light, they gave these examples, Bud Light, Disney, and so forth, are willing to take all these losses because they see the pot of gold at the end of the trail when CVDC comes in. Okay, now having said that, I got to believe that the homeowners insurance companies are in the same boat as the um, um, life insurance companies with the, with the vaccine. Am I close? Everybody's in the same boat. Um, The driving factor is the CBDC. That's the, that's the end game. That's what everybody wants. Um, You know, we're, we're actually the CBDC is actually implemented right now. It's already, if you think about it, Think about what it means. Central bank digital currency. Central bank means it's issued by the central bank. Well, the U.S. dollar is issued by a central bank. Then how much of it is digital? And right now, over 90%, probably 95% of all transactions are digital. You think about how many times do you use a credit card compared to go down and spend cash? You know, just take a look at your own personal expenses. Do you transfer funds from your bank account? Do you do automatic bill pay? If you use ACH to, to process payments and send and send money, that is an electronic payment. So, you know, we're already into electronic payments. We're already into that. What they're talking about is faster payments, which is, you know, I was on the faster payment task force from the Federal Reserve and they uh, with a company that we had. And what happened is they, um, you know, they basically did a brain suck. They got everybody to come in and give them all the good ideas. And then they're turning around and, of course, implementing whatever they want. But the fact is, um, we're already in a central bank digital currency. It's there. Now, the only thing that hasn't been hooked up, Dave, is the ESG 
and the social credit system. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's the only part that's missing from this. And then, you know, when that happens, basically we become CCP China. That's what it comes down to. So anyway, so that's, you know, I agree with you. The insurance is a whole different, is a whole animal unto itself. We did not carry fire insurance on the property. And the reason was we had a hundred year old cabin that was literally falling down. And I thought, you know, this thing is just going to get torn down. Why would we bother to insure it? Right. So, you know, actually when it burned down, we were actually happy because it got rid of that problem for us. Now, the, you know, what damage did it cause? You know, not really much of anything. There wasn't really anything in the cabin because it probably would have been red tagged if someone had come and inspected it because you could literally stick this. It's a hundred years old. It had rotted logs. You could literally stick a screwdriver through the logs. So that's, I had a number of contractors, friends of mine come over. They said, you know, it's just better to tear it down than to try and save it. And, but you know, who wants? We at the Common Sense Show have a great TV show. We bring in a panel of experts and help people navigate the uncharted waters that we're living in. Because what once was coming is no longer coming. It's already here, and we're getting you the help so you can make better decisions for your future. You can find us at the TV, commercial-free, censorship-free, and we're getting five-star ratings on the world's major platforms. Again, check us out today at TV. Every knowledgeable person knows that when you have gold, you've protected your wealth. But what if the government one day wanted to confiscate your gold so they can gain total control, knowing that one day the smoke will clear and gold will be perfectly available, and that's happened all throughout history. So what you need to do is, in the interim, hide your gold. You can do that by burying it. You can go down about 12 inches, and that's all you're going to need to do. And we have a product that we call BarryYourGold.com, and what it does is it goes into a container. You lower it in the ground with a hole you've dug up to 12 inches. It's a 50-year warranty on the device. It only weighs 17 pounds to pull it out of the ground, and you can keep it for safekeeping. And I'll tell you, this is the way to hide your gold, not in false walls, but underground will be very, very difficult to detect. To find out more, go to BarryYourGold.com. The product is fully guaranteed with a money-back guarantee. Did you know that the World Economic Forum now, they in the last meeting they convened, they actually had a water board there with water experts, and they tell us our water is in danger and they have to take control of our water. Does that bother anybody? I'm sure it does. And I begin thinking right now about water safety. And we already know there's lead in the water, chemicals in the water. A lot of it's not safe to drink. But we have the answer for you. It's called the Alexa Pure Pro Water Filter. It's the best there is. And scientifically, they leave nothing to doubt as they publish their research at waterwithdave.com. And it's my choice for water filtration. Gravity powered. It reduces 206 contaminants. It targets heavy metals, fluoride, chlorine, and viruses. It is the best there is in the business. And you can read all the research on this simply by going to water with dave.com that's water with dave.com save eighty dollars for a short time wants to tear down abe lincoln's cabin right i mean this is the all the neighbors love this cabin and you'll see a picture of it here in a minute but the point is you know we didn't have insurance we had a, a barn that was a metal barn that i think we paid for the kit thirteen thousand dollars and then it was probably another i don't know forty or fifty thousand to install it we did, we looked at the cost of insuring it and it's just not worth it. Even after 10 years of use and then the thing burned to the ground, we're basically even. So, you know, compared to what the cost of fire insurance. And by the way, you know, fire insurance is being used now as a way to get people off the land. If you want to buy a home with a mortgage, you must have fire insurance. The bank requires it. So by doing this, they're they're keeping people from being able to afford property in the country and therefore what you'll do is you'll go where you can get insurance now that's it so we just said you know we don't need insurance let's just leave it alone we have liability insurance so if if a tree falls on someone's head we're covered but you know we're not going to go and get fire insurance now a lot of other people 
did that. They had insurance. They had insurance on their homes. And the problem with that is that when when they, the cleanup comes, the cost of cleaning these things up, if you were to do it yourself, and I did one of our properties, one of the parcels, we have two parcels next to each other. One parcel I decided to do myself, that was the metal barn, and that probably cost us, I don't know, forty, fifty thousand dollars to clean up. If they had clean, if they had done it, they would have charged two hundred thousand dollars. The cabin itself, I figured I could have cleaned it up for probably fifteen thousand dollars with a crew of four guys and some dumpsters. And it, that thing, they well, the bill for the whole that whole parcel, one point five million dollars. Whoa! What happens is, is now they send that bill. And they try and recover it against your your insurance. So what they're doing is they jack up the bills, and then when you when you they look through your insurance, and if you have any insurance at all, they're going to come after it, and they're going to take you know a fair amount of that money. Now the other problem is that people who um, the people who end up with a um, here, let me put something a little more visual on the screen here. Um, you know, the people who, who who had the insurance, they end up having it consumed. A lot of it gets consumed by the cleanup because it's very expensive. They they make you hire all these experts, and then the insurance company insists on doing that too. And then, you know, when you clean it up, you have to use certain types of people to clean it up. And finally, um, what ends up happening and why people are, 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 you know, not able to rebuild, the permitting for a new structure – so I had some neighbors of ours who were elderly. One one gentleman, the gentleman is 90 and his wife is probably 85. Super nice people. They had a beautiful log cabin from the 1930s burned to the ground. It was along the creek. And the, the amount of things they required, the permitting costs alone, just to rebuild what they had, over $100,000 just for the permits. And then you have to go and buy the building. You have to buy the building materials. You've got to hire the labor. And as as you and all your viewers are aware, those costs have doubled, tripled in yeah. the last few yeah. years. So Absolutely. People just, they can't afford. Even they look at the insurance. Oh, I got, you know, $300,000 worth of insurance money on my property. That's, that's going to be basically, you're going to be living out of a double wide. And that's, um, you know, and you're going to put in something or maybe you're going to put in an ag building and live out of that and then, you know, fit it in with whatever, with a wood stove and some insulation. Now, let's talk about where these fires all come from. Now, there's a couple of links. This is on my Substack at decodetheworld.substack.com. You can go check it out if you'd like. Basically, there there's a couple of stories here. One, it's this this property was near Healdsburg, California, and then here's a here's a story in the newspaper. This is about a year after our fire. <clears throat> Two people were arrested for setting like 20 fires. They had 80 fire crew, 20 fire engines, six water tenders, and three bulldozers, and this was over a period of time. Now. Where do these guys get this idea to go do this? Now, maybe some of them are firebugs, but I think I tend to believe some of these people have been recruited to do this kind of work. New York Times, this is from California. 95% of fires are started by people. I didn't say it. New York Times said it. And 7% are caused by arson, right? Now, I don't know if they're considering arson to be if they know about a fire and don't put it out and let it get big and burn out. That's what happened to our fire. Our fire, what happened in our fire was, uh, and I ran into a gentleman who was a videographer um, who right after the fire, the day after the fire, we went up and it was it was like a war zone. The smoke, the heat. Everything was just completely nasty, ash everywhere, trees falling down, power lines, cables all over the ground. You know, we just literally drove over power lines. They all fell down and burned up. And we ran into this person, and the first thing is I didn't know who this person was, and I'm thinking, is this guy here to loot? Because there's a lot of looting after a fire like this. People go through the ashes and look for, oh, where's grandma's gold coin, right? And they look for stuff like that. 
Well, this person turned out to be okay. He was a good person, but he was a videographer. He had been working for Cal Fire for a number of years. He told me our fire was a, was started by lightning, and Cal Fire knew about it when it was a three-acre fire. Someone reported it. They decided not to fight the fire. They were going to send in a helicopter crew. They said no. Then when the fire was 50 acres, they they requested it to be put out again with a manned crew, and it was turned down again. And then as a consequence of that, it burned about 60,000 acres and 200 homes, including all the buildings on our ranch. All of our neighbors, everybody lost basically everything. Now, what are the causes of this? Neglect, mismanagement of the forest, and then, of course, arson. Now, if you look at Washington State, here's a newspaper story or headline from, uh, this is on Twitter, from uh, the Commissioner of Public Lands in Washington State. So it appears that all of the 58 fires that started on Monday in Washington State were caused by humans in some way. State Commissioner of Public Lands, Hillary France, says. So it's not us saying this. These are the people. Now, let's talk about what happens in a wildfire. And... It is, I will say this, it is nasty. It is probably one of the worst things that, you know, you can go through because the cleanup is so monumental and the loss is so total. Fire, you know, what I say on my blog here is nothing purifies like fire. And that's really what it comes down to. And when you look at this, this was a Quonset Hut metal barn I wow. don't have a before picture, but you can see what it looks like there. Yeah, I can see it, yeah. Yep. Here's what it looks like inside. There's a wood stove there. In the <laughs> foreground. Ironic, yeah. Yeah, foreground, there was a nice big sectional couch. All that was left were a few wires and then a bunch of ash. On the left side, where the where the metal comes down, there was a redwood bookshelf and full of books. And you can see what's left of that, books and DVDs. Basically, everything just turns to dust. Now, here's a um, here's a basketball hoop down by the old cabin. And that basketball hoop was basically, I just took that picture because it was like, like the only thing left standing. <clears throat> now, if you look at the cabin, this is the old cabin. This is off of Google Street Maps. This is the cabin before. And here is what it looked like after. That's what's left. So two-story redwood log cabin was turned into about a four-inch pile of ash. That's it. Doesn't it kind of remind you of 9-11? It's, it's a war. It is like 9-11. This is, this, is, this is asymmetric warfare. That's what this is. Now, if you look at this, you know, the only thing left standing is the chimney, so, you know, everything that's, if it's made out of wood, it's gonna, it's gonna burn up. Now you'll see there's a rose bush in the, in the front of this picture. That rose is still surviving. Roses made it through. It's, it's just quite amazing which plants die and which plants make it through. And, um, you know, when you look at all of your things, when you start talking about survival and things like this and all the, the preps that you might have, Fire is definitely something that you want to plan for. And we'll talk about the repairs that we had to go through with this. Um, and then also, you know, thinking about it from the point of view of how do you prevent these kind of problems from having happening? Because the assumption you have to make is there is going to be a fire. If you're in the woods, at some point you will have a fire. It's only a question of when, not if. Now, if you look at this map of Northern California, these are all of the named wildfires, and you can see that, you know, nothing had been on the west side of the 101. There's the Wallbridge Fire there on the left side of the picture, and, um, you know, that particular fire, nothing had burned on that side of the freeway yet, and now you can see. Now it's now they've started to go over there. Now, you know, you talk about why these things are being done. The first thing is, you know, people talk about CO2 and all this other stuff. You know, wildfires in California, just talking about California, in 2020, 
they lost 1.7 million acres to wildfires. Now, that's 130 million tons of CO2, if you care about that. And there are 15 million cars in California, and that's 76 million tons of CO2 from those cars. So you look at this, and the cars, the, the fires are 2x what the cars put out. So, you know, when you talk about all these things with the carbon balance and all that, when they're talking about taking away your barbecue in your backyard, look at the big picture. The big picture is volcanoes and these kinds of wildfires. So it's not about the CO2. It's about something else. Why are they after the wood stoves and so forth, in your opinion? Independence. It's about control. And... You know, the fact of the matter is, is that um, gas heat is is excellent. It's one of the best um, ways to, it's one of the most efficient ways to heat your home. Same thing with gas water heaters. And, of course, if you talk to professional chefs, they'll tell you the best way to cook is on a gas flame. You have more control over the gas. Wood stoves are for people who are independent. We we used to keep that whole barn. I, I I almost never used any gas at all for, I never used any gas for heating. We didn't even have gas heat for probably, you know, whatever it was, 10 or 12 years that we had the barn. We used wood heat. So we had a pile of wood out in the back, and, you know, it's a little bit dirty. You had to bring the logs in. The logs had some bugs sometimes. My wife would complain about it, but anyone who's had wood stoves knows Wood stoves provide excellent heat. And because you're independent, if you've got a chainsaw or an axe, you can go and just cut your own out of your own trees. So you don't have to spend any money. And because you don't have to earn money to spend it, you don't have to pay tax. So that's the reason. It's just like if you grow your own food in the garden, you don't pay any tax on the money and you don't pay any tax on the food that you grow. That's the reason because they want the tax. So the repair process that we had to go through, um, you know, the first thing was we had to triage, and this is, I'm, I'm just telling you this, because anyone who thinks that they might have to go through this, this will take about five minutes, and you'll have some good ideas about what it's like. So the first thing is there are a lot of things that survive. Not everything burns up. And anything that is around concrete or that's, uh, you know, around uh, uh, gravel or other non-flammable, you know, areas like this, it'll survive. We had lawn furniture, teak lawn furniture that was sitting outside. You know, maybe one piece got burned up or something if an ember landed on it, but the rest of it was in good shape. We're still using it. Um, anything that's made out of ceramic or concrete, it's going to make it. Um, if it's above ground and it's PVC, it's going to burn up. If it's underground and it's PVC, it's probably going to be fine. So we had undergrounded all of our um, water power. This is the electrical yeah. coming from our solar and communications and gas. The communications, we just, I just ripped them all up, even though it was underground. That those wires are smaller and more sensitive, but the electrical wires, we almost nothing was damaged. It was amazing. When we finished repairing all. The Common Sense Show is proud to be able to bring you some very special deals for MyPillow. For example, they've got half off MyPillow bed sheets, more than half off their slippers, their sandals, their mattresses, their topper covers, women's lingerie. Now, they have extremely great products, as you all know. Ladies and gentlemen, right now go to MyPillow.com backslash Hodges. Use the coupon code Hodges to take advantage of these great opportunities. MyPillow.com backslash Hodges, coupon code Hodges. All the parts of the electrical that were above ground, I literally went down to, we, we have an underground room where it's a, it's a PG&E vault where the power equipment's kept. Everything was perfectly intact. I literally pushed the button on the inverter and everything worked. Solar panels worked, batteries worked, the whole thing. It was all functional. So that's the good news. 
The bad news is that there's going to be some stuff that's going to burn up that you probably don't want to burn up. And, um, you know, I had things like a brand new 36 inch steel chainsaw, which I hadn't even fired up once burned up. And I went up there the day after the lightning strikes and I thought, hmm, let me just check on everything. <clears throat> nothing on the fire map and nothing. You couldn't smell any smoke or anything. Mm-hmm. Well, I just basically went through and I said, well, I don't think we're going to have any problem. We'd had some, we'd had a false alarm before they said evacuate and then there was no fire. We were out of town. So it's like, there's nothing we could do anyway. Just right. watch on TV. Right. But if you look at the things that were that were intact, so we we kept the concrete concrete tanks were all fine. We had a poly tank burned to the ground. Now, when I talked to the woman who sold us the replacement tank, she said these fires are not natural. She said I've sold hundreds of tanks to people who have been through wildfires, hundreds, and she said there's no way this is this is natural. Now, the shipping containers, people like to keep shipping containers. As long as you do not keep anything flammable inside of a shipping container, things like candles, those are flammable, olive oil, flammable, gasoline, of course, any kind of lubricant, any kind of product like that, those are all, um, those are all flammable, right? Those you should probably do what you can to keep them out of a shipping container. The other thing is, don't put your wood pile next to the shipping container. Yeah. It was a mistake I did with one of our shipping containers. We lost everything. I mean, that thing was literally roasted. You know, the temperature on these fires, okay, a normal house fire is about 1,500 degrees. So, you know, how do you tell how hot a fire was? Well, you look around, it would melt it. So if you have aluminum, it's going to melt it around, I think, 14, 1500 degrees. So normal house fire, if you have an aluminum pan, it's going to turn into a pool of aluminum, melted aluminum. And that's why you see the pictures of the, excuse me, the cars that have the melted aluminum wheels, right? And that is, that's about 1500 degrees Fahrenheit. Well, inside of the barn, there was a silver coin and a small gold coin on my desk. The silver coin melted. The gold coin did not. So that temperature is somewhere between about 1,700 degrees, which is where the silver melts, and about uh, 1,900 degrees where the gold melts. And the gold didn't melt, so it never made it to that temperature. Now, if you look at this, If the fire gets under your shipping container, it's gone because the shipping container has a wooden floor that is made with um, material that's been impregnated with anti-insect and anti-rat. It's basically poisonous. If that plywood catches fire, it's going to go through everything inside. Now, I did have one container where the corner burned up, and to repair it, I just poured concrete in that spot and called it good. Cleaned out the inside, and that was it. Um, the garden and the orchard, I want to talk about this because I know a lot of people out in the country have these. Um, the garden boxes, I built boxes out of redwood 2x12s. Those, we didn't lose any of them. And the reason is because we had gravel next to it. There's like a gravel path next to each thing. That is the secret to keeping things. Um, the orchard, our orchard was about 10 years, 90% survived. Now, the thing we had to do is we had to get water on those trees immediately. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right? <clears throat> as soon as the fire happened. So we still had some water left in one of the fi- one of the tanks. Two of the tanks, if you have any kind of a hose connected to it and it's got some kind of a timed a timer on it or something, an ember lands on that hose, that entire water tank is going to drain right through that hose. That's what happened to us. So that's a that's a watch out. What you can do about that if you have to keep those kind of timers is keep the timers inside of some kind of cement lock thing that you can just rig up yourself and go get a hose that's a stainless steel hose. They have those. They sell them on Amazon. And um, that's a stainless steel sheath hose. Now, 
What also happened was the olive trees, we have olive trees here in Northern California. Those things, I don't think you could kill them. Those things, they all, they almost every single one of them made it through. We did have one that blew over in a storm the next year. And the other thing that'll happen is you will get, you will get trees that will die a couple of years later. Most of the cherry trees, the stone fruit, those were the trees that had the biggest problems. The apples, the pears, absolutely no problem at all. They almost entirely survived, which is, which is unbelievable. So, you know, this is the thing. Once you, once you get two to three years out from your fire, um, the recovery for these trees is almost a hundred percent. They'll come back, they'll produce fruit. You'll be in business. But let's say that you, we have a disaster on our hands and then you have a fire. That's why you should probably keep two years worth of supplies, you know, long-term food. Two years is a good number. People think, oh, one year is enough. Well, if you have a fire, it's going to take at least two years before you get your trees producing again. Yep. That's the issue. So if you have the resources, it's definitely something that's that's worth doing. Now, I'm going to show you some pictures here. This is this is a picture of a box. This is a Christie style box. This one has a metal top. It's not a um, not a concrete top. But you can see the wire that's inside. There's a little bit of the foam is melted a little bit. The wires were all fine. So this is, you know, when you start opening stuff up and you start looking at what you have left, it's not bad. Here is a here is a pipe that what happened was is that over years it got it was covered with with dirt with soil and it eroded with some storms i hadn't paid attention to it it had come out above the surface this burned up so we had to replace the pipe and we had to replace and you can see the pipe on the right is a water pipe actually and that's one of the water supply pipes from the springs which goes up the hill so that's a three-inch pipe, and that had to be – we had to replace that in a number of spots. And then because of the fire, even underground, the um, there were some spots where we had, um, you know, two-inch or three-inch metal uh, pipes coming up above ground, and it had heated up the connections, and those connections failed the next year. So you're going to spend probably a year or two running around fixing leaks in your water. Um, you're probably going to find a few things. You can see what we did here. We put, uh, there's a butt connection there. We had to cut the wire, replace the wire. And then uh, we put a, a butt connector on, and then that was taped with electrical tape. A friend of mine who's an electrician helped me do this. So the... Other thing we decided to do is what's called salvage logging. You're going to have to decide what to do with all of your trees because you've got a lot of dead trees just sitting around and they're standing up. Most of them, they when they burn up, they do not fall over. There are a few that fall over. These are a big hazard because you've got standing deadwood. If the tree is dead, it's standing up there and it's just waiting for a reason to fall down. And the reasons are wind and insects. So if you have Douglas fir on your property, like we did, about 50% of our trees were Doug fir, those trees, they all died. The redwoods did not die. Those things are, they're pretty bulletproof. They're, you know, they've, I think we may have lost a few of them, but we ended up cutting down a number of these that the tops had burned off. And, you know, what we started out with was, oh, let's just leave the woods alone and let's not spend any money and let's not worry about this and let nature take her course. We didn't do that. We talked to a professional forester and our logger and we decided to be more practical. And, um, you know, we generated a fair amount of income that we could use to offset the repairs. Now, if you look at what this, what does the logging operation entail? This is a skitter right here. This is, it's got a grappler on the back and you can see he's dragging. And that tire on the front of this, of this machine is about six feet tall. Mm -hmm. And the guys that we hired, the loggers that we hired were great guys. They were some of the hardest working people. You'd see them at the end of the day, absolutely filthy. 
because you're logging wood that is basically burned. It's like going inside of a barbecue. So the other thing that you're going to want to do is you're going to want to wear a mask. This is one time, you know, we made fun of all the people wearing a mask during the pandemic. This is one of the times you do want to wear a mask. And, you know, this is where I saw these guys, they were out there and they were, um, they literally did a field repair on one of those six foot tires. They busted it off with a one inch wrench and a, and about a 10 foot cheater pipe. They busted it off. They busted the nuts off of that, took the, took the tire off, you know, took the tire off, repaired it and mounted it back on, flashed it with some ether to pop it back into shape and then pumped it up and they were back in business. I've never seen that done before. These guys were studs. Wow. That's amazing. You know, this whole thing kind of goes into the category of how to rebuild after you get attacked. Uh, And you kind of alluded to the reason behind it. Agenda 21, get you off your land. Is it get you off your land in favor of China coming? Well, here's the China angle to this story. Okay. So one of the parcels that we had, we decided to have the county clean it up. So I read through the contract. It said, if you don't have insurance, we'll pay for everything. I said, okay, that's fine. And I just figured, what the heck? Well, in that contract also was they're going to, they were able to take logs that they had cut and they gave them to the contractor. So they took some redwoods. Redwoods are valuable trees. So to put it in perspective, um, one log truck, normally what a professional logger does is cuts the trees into a roughly 40-foot length, 40 to 42 feet. They then, and they tape it so they know exactly how long it is. They then send it to the mill. They stack it up. They put put it in what's called a deck. They deck the logs, and then they take a uh, an excavator with a special grappler claw, grab the log, pick it up, put it on the log truck. Well, a log truck can hold about 5,000 board feet. Now, how much is a board foot worth for redwood at the mill for a log? Well, it's about $1,270 per thousand board feet. So you got 5,000 5, board feet in a truck. That's about $6,000. So now that in, that you have to pay the logger, which is about a third, and then the trucking fee. But you can see that's a fair amount of money for a log truck. They took out they took out probably I figured like thirty to fifty thousand dollars worth of logs. But here's the thing: they cut these logs into nine to ten foot sections. And I'm like, why are they doing that? Because if they're sending it to a mill, they should do it in 40-foot sections because it's much more efficient to handle. Okay. Now, I asked one one of the people down working on this. I said, why are you cutting it short? Oh, well, they're just going to take it and they're going to recycle it. They're going to grind it up and turn it into, you know, log dust, which is sinful waste of a valuable resource. Later, I found out what they're actually doing with these is they're putting them inside of 20-foot shipping containers and selling them to China. That's for, what, for what purpose? Well, they don't have any trees in China. Redwood is valuable in China. So they mill, they have, they have lumber mills in China. Oh, they my God. With logs. So that's what they do is they're buying. We have forests here. I mean, this is what they're doing is they're, they're selling at wholesale prices. Our precious forestry resources. Now, is this is this part of a big plot to steal our forest? Well, this is how you do it. I mean, if you think about it, the first thing you want to do is you want to kick people off the land. That's the first thing. Second thing is, and how do you do that? Well, if you burn out their house and they don't have enough insurance money to rebuild, you know, which I'm estimating, I, I'm going to guesstimate that probably half the people will not be able to rebuild. It's just too expensive, and, you know, quite frankly, when you go through a fire like this, it is like a gut punch. It's a gut punch. And the amount of loss that you go through, you've, you'd better be a strong-willed person to put up with this kind of thing and and come out the other side. That's That's the biggest takeaway from this whole thing. 
everyone in the next few years is going to have some terrible thing happen and we're going to have to just you know put one foot in front of the other and make it through that's the only thing you can do you're talking about a false flag right chris false flag a real flag it doesn't matter what it's going to be it's going to be either you know if it's a banking collapse or some other whatever kind of calamity calamities happen and the the good people of the future are the ones who are able to deal with it keep their faith and come out on the other side and look at it from a you know with a serious um positive attitude i guess is you know what a basketball coach might tell you right it's you've just got to have a positive attitude and that that alone right there makes a big difference in the outcome now if you look at some of the other um logging pictures so this is a log deck that we still have after after taking out over 90 90 trucks worth of redwood this is the Douglas fir. We couldn't get rid of it. We couldn't sell it because it was over a year old. What happens with with trees like Douglas fir? If you don't harvest them right away, the bugs start to get into them. Now, the mills won't touch anything that's got too many bugs because then it's too much work to go through and triage everything and throw the bad stuff out. And then they have to throw 20% of it out. And by the time they finish fiddling around with it, it's just not worth their time. But these logs are still valuable timber, and they can be used for firewood. Um, it could be used for um, for making lumber as well. I mean, you could you can see there's a, a number of, you know, quite a few, probably 50,000 board feet is what our logger estimates is left on this pile. And that's, you know, those are 24-inch logs. So you could make some really nice 12-inch beams and just cut the outsides of the logs off. And you've got some really nice timber for building things. So that's the, you know, that's the upside of this whole thing. Now, let's talk about the money. So the the our logger estimated a couple hundred to maybe $300 million was spent in our neighborhood. Now, where does this money come from? Mostly it's FEMA grants. Now, the what happens also is the roads get damaged. So, for example, we've got a couple of slumps in our road because of erosion, because of the trees dying and the roots, you know, dying of the trees. Uh, some of the roads in a couple of places have sunk. Now, I called the county and they said, oh, yeah, we're aware of this and we'll get to it after we finished getting our FEMA claim paid. All this is paid for by FEMA. So the money goes, you know, it goes from the federal government and it shows up at the states. Now, this is why this is why President Trump was so upset with California, because he's like, these people are mismanaging their forests and creating this giant bill that everybody else has to pay for. That's what he was upset about. And when you look at people, what they went through in places like Paradise, I mean, you've seen the videos of these, you know, yeah, people yeah. Really running for their lives. There was nothing left. Nope, there's nothing left. And it just burns it flat to the ground. Keep in mind, all the minerals, all that gold is still left in the ground, right? Oh, my, and, my, my, my. So with right. well-to-do people, they're going to go through and they're lifting the gold coins out. Am I right? Not just gold coins. Paradise is built on a mountain of gold. I was told that by somebody who had lived there. And there's other things going on there as well. But the idea was, um, you know, there's a lot of what they're doing is this is a way. There were people who literally sold their property, you know, 40 acres. They sold it for $100,000. And before it might have sold for half a million dollars. So this is what they mean when they call it a fire sale. And that's what's happened here is a lot of this is a fire sale. And that's the point, is that the people with the deep pockets who can afford to wait this out can go and buy the properties for 50%, 70%, 90% off, right? Because they can wait for this stuff to regrow. Now, what we did was we cleaned off all of the trees. So the decision I made was I don't want to look at any dead trees. It's just too depressing. So we opened up our entire, we call it the view shed. It's like a watershed, but it's a view shed. So you've got 
you know, now it's wide open. We didn't, it was heavily forested before, and now it's wide open. So basically what happens is, is that once you open that up, you then have to decide, well, what are you going to do with all those trees? We said, just cut them down, pull them up, use that that grappler that I showed you. They have a big cable winch. They literally pull the trees up the hill, put them on a burn pile, the ones that could not be turned into salvageable lumber, put them on a burn pile, and we had probably 20 burn piles. Burned everything up. Because the thing is, if you do not handle this correctly, you're just creating the next fire because you've got all that fuel piled up there and it's going to take, you know, 10 years, 15 years to rot and go away. Well, if you have something else that comes through in the next five years, you're going to have a big fire on your hands. So you've got to clean that stuff up. It's a little bit of extra money, but it's well worth it. So we cleaned everything up and now we have trees re-sprouting. Literally redwoods will sprout from the roots if we have to take them off because the top had burned off and you would not end up with marketable wood in, you know, 20 years or whatever. The mills won't take it because there's going to be a bunch of burn scars in the wood and they'll just look at it and say, well, there's just too many problems with this log. They want a, they want a clean log that they can run through their mill and turn it into two by fours, four by fours, two by twelves, you know, whatever the computer program tells them to do that optimizes the, um, you know, the value of that log. So here's the bill. So what happened was, um, oh, there's one other thing I want to mention, too, about the CCP. Um, our our uh, propane person, when he came out to check the tank and, and refit it and whatnot, he, um, he told me his father had worked for BLM. And it was fairly well known in BLM that the Chinese were taking logs from these fires. And they were taking the logs and putting them on ships and sending them out to um, offshore. These, these were boats 200 miles offshore in the U.S. and in international waters. That they were milling them offshore there and then sending the lumber and selling the lumber back into the U.S. to make a profit. And they just take all the leftover scrap and just throw it in the ocean. So, you know, that's basically, that's pretty much the story of what's, what's been going on. Now, I want to show you, this is a, this is an, an invoice that we got. I blacked out all the, all the fun stuff up there, but you can see all the numbers. Structural debris costs $43,000. This is for that cabin. They charge one point three million dollars for hazard. Oh, oh, oh. Is that is that the FEMA money that the taxpayer is being ripped off for? Exactly. Okay. This is, this is what I call payola. All right. Because you know our logger said he could do it for less than ten percent of the cost. He said, "Look, we could have cleaned the whole thing up, taken care of all these trees and everything else for far less than one hundred fifty thousand dollars." But you look at the things here. Vehicle abatement, $1,500. There were no vehicles there. I don't know what the vehicle abatement's for. There was um, soil testing and asbestos testing. You know, they have to do that. They have to look for these hazardous things. We didn't find anything. Um, Then you look at the, um, where is it? Tribal. What what the hell is tribal monitoring? (laughs) That's funny because I asked the I asked our um, I asked our logger first of all this is not tribal land this is not uh, you know there are no no Indian tribes there but what it is is they're just looking for stones and arrowheads and there weren't any around there uh, but you know if they find that kind of stuff then they're like well there might be an Indian burial ground here and then of course you'd never be able to do anything with your property this. So far has been a remarkable interview with Chris as he's relayed his personal experience, talked about the Paradise Fire, talked about all the anomalies, the planned event. He hit it all, but we're not done. But unfortunately for our audio broadcast, our podcast, radio networks, we're out of time. And so we've got to refer you over to the TV to hear the last 16 minutes of this really 
We at the Common Sense Show have a great TV show. We bring in a panel of experts to help people navigate the uncharted waters that we're living in. Because what once was coming is no longer coming. It's already here, and we're getting you the help so you can make better decisions for your future. You can find us at thecommonsenseshow.tv, commercial-free, censorship-free, and we're getting five-star ratings on the world's major platforms. Again, check us out today at thecommonsenseshow.tv. Every knowledgeable person knows that when you have gold, you've protected your wealth. But what if the government one day wanted to confiscate your gold so they can gain total control, knowing that one day the smoke will clear and gold will be perfectly available, and that's happened all throughout history. So what you need to do is, in the interim, hide your gold. You can do that by burying it. You can go down about 12 inches, and that's all you're going to need to do. And we have a product that we call BarryYourGold.com. And what it does is it goes into a container. You lower it in the ground with a hole you've dug up to 12 inches. It's a 50-year warranty on the device. It only weighs 17 pounds to pull it out of the ground. And you can keep it for safekeeping. And I'll tell you, this is the way to hide your gold. Not in false walls, but underground will be very, very difficult to detect. To find out more, go to BarryYourGold.com. The product is fully guaranteed with a money-back guarantee.